My Seven Chakras, episode 245. We can have love in our lives every day. It is up to us to realize it. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, a show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will change your life as it has for thousands of other listeners as well. So if you're new to this show, to the chakras, then make sure you join our Facebook group, which is called Action Tribe. Now, here's the thing. Procrastination is a real thing. Uh, maybe there is a call that you need to make, someone that you need to meet. Maybe there are some bills that need your attention or you've been putting off that yoga class for a while. If there's some action that you need to take and you don't take it, it sort of affects your peace of mind because it lays there at the back, right? And that's why we have Take Action Tuesdays in our Facebook group. All you need to do is decide one action that you want to take and just do it. Our group will hold you accountable, provide you a safe space for sharing, provide you feedback and cheer you till the finish line. And we also have a special theme challenge for every day so that you can take small actions each day that will have a compound effect on your life. To join our group, go to my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. That's my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. So come uh, join us in Action Tribe and let's help you make a change. And with that being said, let's bring on our very special guest for today, Dr. Amin Zadeh. So, Dr. Amin, are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am. Thank you, Aditya. Thank you for having me on your show. Wonderful. So, Dr. Amin Zadeh is a professor at John Hopkins University. He has authored more than 100 scientific articles as an, and is an editor of scholarly books in medicine. He is a regular speaker at national and international scientific meetings and directs educational events around the world. He is the author of the book that we're going to speak about today, The Forgotten Art of Love. Dr. Zadeh was born and educated in Dusseldorf, Germany. He came to the U.S. in 95 to complete his education and training in medicine, public health, and research. So Action Tribe, you might also notice a change in my voice today because uh, I'm not feeling well. I have a bit of a sore throat going on with some temperature as well. But this conversation just had to happen uh, because it's a fascinating topic and it's so much needed, uh, especially based on the questions that I've asked our community. So our community is curious and I'm sure that uh, Dr. Amin is waiting to share as well. So thanks a lot for joining us, Doctor. Well, thanks again. And I'm sorry to hear that you're not feeling well and um, I'm honored to hear that you are trying to push through um, despite you not feeling uh, your best so um, uh, I uh, yeah, I very much appreciate that you having me despite uh, not feeling your greatest today thank you thank you doctor thank you for taking your time you know sometimes uh, you know things just happen you can't really predict it. it it happened last evening you know I had a sore throat and all of a sudden really tired uh, but again you know, it's all about testing your mind, right? testing yourself. How deep can you go? How can you push yourself? And these interviews really give me that opportunity uh, because it's inspiring. And <laughs> on the topic of inspiration, let's begin our interview. And the first question is, what is your favorite inspirational quote these days? And how do you apply that quote in your life? 
Well, um, <laughs> I uh, I like to to quote a a, a a sentence out of the book, mm-hmm. uh, which you know I felt you know sums it sums up you know, some of the essence uh, what what I'm trying to get across in the book, uh, which reads so that we can have love in our lives every day. It is up to us to realize it. It's so true that um, you know we can have love in our lives every day like you mentioned there are so many opportunities that come within our life whether it is expressing gratitude or whether it's loving someone close to us our family member or maybe it's just a co-worker or uh, you know somebody else as well maybe a random stranger random acts of kindness that people are doing these days it makes us feel good as well as makes our communities much more better and like you mentioned it's up to us to realize up to us to find out and look for such opportunities so thanks a lot for bringing that focus into today's episode and with that let's begin so doctor what inspired you to write your book the forgotten art of love what love means and why it matters well there are a number of um, responses to this question uh, for one in this philosophy you know of course i am like everybody else trying to make sense of this life and, and trying to find answers yeah uh, we have only a few decades on this planet and and obviously, we want to use uh, use uh, these years wisely, and uh, uh, love is clearly an answer. And, and the question, you know, which comes up often, is why we struggle uh, to have a greater focus on, on love in our lives. So that was really a a important question to me from a philosophical standpoint. And then there's the science aspect. I mean, I am mm. foremost actually a scientist. I'm a cardiologist, but but mostly uh, doing uh, research. And so from a science standpoint, I was very fascinated by the questions, but the why questions. What is the connection between love and human life, particularly from a science perspective, from an evolutionary standpoint? Is it firmly anchored in us? Why is it so, has it such a powerful effect on us? So there were definitely scientific questions, but there were also medical mm-hmm. questions, you know, from... Uh, me being a cardiologist, you know, we actually know that patients who have uh, or an unhappy relationship, they're more they're more likely to become sick, and, and there's even a particularly uh, strong uh, mind-body relationship uh, in, in heart disease. There's a mm-hmm. there's a syndrome which is called the broken heart syndrome, where patients who suffered uh, you know, great, great loss, and you know, particularly somebody uh, close, a loved one, uh, that they develop uh, physical heart failure. This is actually yeah. a serious condition where the heart muscle weakens. So, so it is clear that there is a, a close connection between the body and the mind, which in medicine, you know, we see quite frequently. So, so I guess what I'm saying is there were uh, questions from different from different fields and of particularly mm-hmm. philosophy, science and, and medicine, uh, which made me very curious about to to uh, explore the nature of love and, and by maybe getting a better understanding about the nature of love, uh, maybe finding ways to you know, anchor it more strongly mm-hmm. in our lives. Got it. And and before we move on, I think it's important to sort of uh, understand your definition of love. How do you define love based on your experiences? Well, so that by itself, you know, obviously, <laughs> is a a major challenge uh, because 
you know, love. There is no, if you look in, the, in Wikipedia or a dictionary, yeah. you won't find any definition. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and that tells it all. It, it's, it's, it's a concept which is so complex and affects so many different uh, aspects of human life. Uh, and again, going into very different um, fields, uh, not only the, the ones I mentioned, like philosophy and science, medicine, and, and maybe in a larger sense, biology, but also religion and spirituality. So it's uh, the challenge is that to view love from all these different uh, angles. And, and yeah. in fact, that was one of my goals in, in this book, because I felt like that most uh, prior books on love, and obviously there are plenty, yeah. always looked at love from a specific angle, you know, from the uh, from the angle of maybe psychology or religion uh, or biology. But but in order to do justice to to the complexity of love, and you know, I felt like maybe we have to really look uh, from all these angles and kind of try to see the main views from these angles, and then maybe that gives us a more complete picture. Now, I leaning on on some of the you know great philosophers in in, in history, I, I I do use a definition of love. Um, uh, which is uh, the urge and the continuous effort for the happiness and well-being of somebody. And you know, with that, I was trying to express that there are you know, obviously several components, but the key component, at least in my mind, were one, you know, there is, there is a feeling, there is this urge, mm-hmm. there is a feeling that we want something really badly, uh, we want the happiness and well-being for somebody. Uh, and then there is the aspect of the continuous effort, which is extremely important, um, at least to me, because it signifies that it is just not just a feeling. Somebody, we look at somebody, we wish them best. The continuous effort means there needs to be a component of commitment. Right. There needs to be something enduring, for 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 it to be love, uh, and then there is the the goal, which is is the the state of you know happiness and well being of somebody, uh, and uh, so you know it's a working uh, diagnosis, and uh, I, I I feel that captures what I was trying to express, uh, but again you know I, I obviously realize this is um is a very complex matter. Uh, and, and different people have you no know, different uh, perception, but uh, that is you know, how I you know, feel. You know, we can capture much of the essence of love. Mm-hmm. I love that definition, and uh, like you mentioned, the urge and continuous effort for the happiness and well-being of somebody. And very often, we just think about the urge, the urge for the happiness and well-being of somebody. But like you mentioned, in order to sustain love, and we're going to go deeper into that in a short while, it has to be both the urge as well as the continuous effort for the happiness and well-being of someone. Now, you say that, and you've written that, uh, love is more about the brain than the heart. Uh, correct? So, wh- what what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I had a hard time admitting that, uh, I mean, being a cardiologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, but, but seriously, you know, obviously, you know, we tend to ascribe 
feelings to the heart you know, but obviously that is something metaphorical and uh, we perceive you know feelings uh, in in our brain mm -hmm. it, is, it is all about the brain our perception is in the brain so it's all about our mind uh, but i was trying to express there was that the that the that these two components there's yeah. an there's an intellectual component a, a mindfulness component and then there's the emotional component and, uh, and it seems that the, pre the prevailing perception about love particularly in western societies is that about the emotions mm -hmm. and we don't you know almost don't like the intellectual or uh, cerebral aspect of love uh, because you know it's particularly again in Western countries about the romance and and, and it's right. much it seems much more romantic to talk about emotions than about about um, uh, the mind and uh, and the intellect. Uh, but the key notion is that they go hand in hand, mm. uh, and, and I think that. The intellectual component, which again comes back to also the the intentional, the commitment component, uh, as we just talked about, is exceedingly important, and right. it cannot be overlooked. Uh, and and it was Eric Fromm uh, in the 1950s uh, who brought up the the concept of the art of love, uh, where he stressed particularly that that um, that intellectual component. He almost went a little too far in, in, in the opinion of many people and kind of portrayed love as opposed to the emotions you know, purely as a as intellectual power. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I was very much influenced by Fromm and hence the, the title of the book, The Forgotten Art of Love. But at the same time, I felt that you know, maybe the truth so often is in the middle uh, mm -hmm. and that you have to emphasize both the, the strong emotions and the intellectual component. Uh, but having said that, um, I think in the end, it is the mind where the decision whether to love or not you know, happens. And that's why I felt like it's more about uh, the mind uh, than the heart um, you know again more from a from a conceptual standpoint obviously again I think both components are very important mm -hmm. but it, it, it initiates in not in the heart but in the mind and then causing the emotions got it got it so thanks a lot for sharing and of course the the things that you learned by looking at the heart and it's functioning for so many different angles you know philosoph philosophical medical uh, scientific religion uh, and uh, the metaphysical as well uh, and the fact that you've realized that it's important to find the middle paths right uh, uh, based on what I understand uh, even the ancient Chinese the Taoists uh, referred to the heart as the heart mind so they didn't make any differentiation between the mind and the heart and they referred to it as the heart mind because of course there are both components uh, not just the emotions uh, but let's take a few steps back dr armin did you always want to become a cardiologist no <laughs> it's you know so often it uh, you know it, it developed and there are you know consensus uh, and uh, in situations, contexts where these things develop, uh, to mm -hmm. be honest, uh, when I was in medical school, 
I didn't know whether I wanted, would become a cardiologist uh, or something else. I, I always wanted to become a physician. I mean, my father was a physician and that always, you know, influences you quite a bit you know, because I saw what he was doing and I was intrigued by the abilities um, to, to help others. And uh, I was fascinated early with the uh, physiology of uh, the human body. Sure. So, but I I did not really decide on cardiology um, years after after medical school. To be honest, uh, and um, it happened so that I was uh, in in postgraduate training and did a rotation uh, in a cardiology unit, and it was. Uh, had a very influence, influential uh, teacher there, uh-huh. and uh, and he just uh, infected me with his enthusiasm about the physiology of the heart, and and that was very fascinating how the heart you know functions and and how incredibly uh, you know sophisticated right. the, this this you know would be so often refer a little bit dismissively as just as a pump, and, and <laughs> obviously it is a pump. But it is amazing in terms of its adaptation and how it actually functions. And so I was very fascinated, and I think that kind of led me to to become a cardiologist. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And it's, it's uh, wonderful to note that, uh, you know, teachers play such an important role, right, in building our curiosity and helping us make uh, critical decisions, uh, especially in the early stages of life. Now, you mentioned, uh, I mean, you've written that you're a child of a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So my, my mom, mom was a psychologist. My, my father actually was a psych, uh, psychiatric uh, forensic, okay. actually, I should say forensic psychiatrist. So he was he was going, you know, to court a lot, you know, to attest sure. about the the mind um, set about um, uh, people. Uh, so he, he was not a typical psychiatrist, but he had sure. training in neurology, actually, in neurology and psychiatry, as well as forensic medicine. Uh-huh. So did that have an influence on your practice or how you approached your work? Well, I think in the sense that um, in the sense that it was early influenced you know, from both my parents right. on the aspect of psychology and uh, how the mind works, uh, and so that de- definitely there, there was a seed planted very early on, and and I was exposed to books in our house about the mind, mm. and, uh, and and particularly one of them was Eric Fromm's book, The Art of Loving. Uh, which I read as as a young adult, uh, which had an enormous influence uh, on me. Wonderful. And, you know, many of our listeners listening to this episode right now are parents and, uh, you know, they're they're getting nuggets from you and and your parents on how you can influence the lives of your children, you know, through books, through creating an open space for learning and curiosity and and really allowing them to thrive and make the right decisions. So this is a wonderful uh, conversation. So Dr. Amin, from being a cardiologist, how did you get interested in studying about love so what's the story behind that well so i mean i guess i would just um, continue telling the story about about when i read from you know again i was i was a young adult and yeah uh, and for the listeners who may not be familiar with eric from he was a renowned uh, psychologist and social philosopher in, in the 20th century. Uh, he wrote a number of books, and uh, among them was The the Art of Loving, um, where he 
uh, as mentioned, challenge the notion that love is merely a, a, a emotion, and and he, uh, in fact, coined it as an art, something which requires skills and knowledge and devotion. Mm. And uh, so, when I read that book, uh, I was um, I was immediately struck because I felt that he identified something which, and again, even at that time in in, in our society, at that time I was living in, in, in Germany, um, was was not really widely understood. I mean, it, it was similar to today, actually. It's amazing how, when he described society at that time, how little has changed in regards to our perception about love mm-hmm. uh, in these uh, more than half a century. He described it very similar as, as, as it is today, that you know, we have this romantic notion uh, that we you know that there is um, these powerful feelings which carry us, and uh, we basically just have to be lucky, uh, and then we fall in love, and uh, and then that's that's essentially it. And so he brought in the concept of well, you know, there is much more to it. There sure. is, is this intellectual component. There is the commitment uh, portion. Hence, it is an art. And he actually said in his book, you know, that love in the ideal sense that what he's talking about, this is a very rare achievement. That is something you, know, you need all our energy and focus to devote to in order to, to master it. So again, so I was quite quite struck with this and I mm-hmm. felt, wow, so he really had a different angle uh, which uh, you know, felt, felt very accurate to me in many regards. At the same time, as mentioned also, I felt there was something missing, sure. uh, particularly that they went way far to the, to the intellectual side and, and almost being dismissive of emotion and, and both need to be, need to be um, considered. And at the same time also, he viewed love very much from an angle of uh, psychology and uh, to some extent religion. And I felt um, that it needs to incorporate you know, you know, other views as well, particularly that of biology uh, and, right. uh, and, and how that works. Uh, and in, in, in the last few decades, there's a lot of science has evolved uh, that uh, really interestingly highlights what's going on in our brain and gives us a better understanding about yeah. love. So I felt that that uh, at that time I felt I, I was not able just to address these questions uh, in a meaningful way but I, I this 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 concept and these ideas stayed with me you know, for for all these years and uh, and they grew in the back of my mind I kept studying so it was something which constantly uh, occupied me and uh, so eventually I felt that uh, with observation with studying uh, reviews that I was in the it was in the position to have a comprehensive uh, response to Fromm's work uh, where I you know, used some of his of his main concepts are uh, leaning heavily on his concepts but I feel you know it, it, it needs to be expanded right. uh, and uh, and has to be seen or viewed under consideration of all the advances in science over the last few decades. So that was really the driving 
the driving force uh, for me to 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 write it got it uh, now let's talk specifically about romantic love for a moment you've written that the falling in love phase is different from the long term love phase and i think it's an important topic uh, for so many of our listeners especially uh, those that are married or those that are in long term committed relationships uh, people would like to listen to this what's the difference between these two uh, types of love or phases i guess well yeah so and i mean i have to clearly say that is something from um pointed out and that was one of his key accomplishments mm. that he said well what the, the what we commonly feel when we fall in love these powerful sensations this excitement i mean that's it's 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 an unbelievable accelerating state which is so wonderful that that's what we are craving i mean we want this state because it is uh, it's really the entire world looks different we are you know overwhelmed with excitement and, and happiness I mean, there's also anxiety and stress actually in it but uh, it's yeah, it's a, sure. it's a, it's an you know a, one of the most exhilarating states in human lives and that's why uh, poets and uh, and songwriters and and stories and there are, you know so many are mm. about about this these feelings now so what what from said well is like well that's fine and it's great but this phase comes to an end uh it inevitably comes to an end uh it takes anywhere between 1 and 4 years and then these feeling will subside and and, and, and by by uh, empirical standards I mean anybody who uh, is in a long term relationship and was you know deeply uh, or was 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 fell in love early on knows that there's a distinct difference that's not mm-hmm. to dis- diminish by any means long term love you know i'm i'm i've been i'm very happily married and uh, have a wonderful uh relationship uh, with my wife and i'm deeply happy but we both admit that the very early phase there was a component there this this overwhelming excitement which is different uh than it is uh, it is now um so this early phase uh, inevitably ends and so if that if 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 that's what we equate with love then and it's a pe- pessimistic outlook of love because then it means that love comes to an end and uh, and, and in fact there is a peak in the br- relationship breakup uh, uh, about 3 to 4 years because that's where typically uh couples feel that these sensations kind of dissipate somewhat and then they feel oh our love is 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 uh, fading and uh, they may break up what uh, what in, in fact what happens is that this just this phase this passionate phase uh, comes to an end and it marks the transition you know to long term love but the key difference between the falling in love phase and long term Uh, love is that in the beginning it, it doesn't really require falling in love doesn't require much of our active involvement in terms of our mind it is right. a passive phase these 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 feelings flood us uh, there's nothing we can do we actually we we studied uh, there's lots of studies looking at this and you fall in love instantaneously within seconds it's, it's just yeah. a reaction uh where our brain goes through and and kind of sees gets an impression and runs through some uh, algorithm and it just basically flips a switch and we are in, lo- uh, in love mm-hmm. so 
it's a passive phase uh, when we are enjoying this and we don't have to do much and because we are really carried by these very powerful uh, feelings. But once they dissipate, then we need to be actively involved. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. the key difference. You cannot sustain long-term love without your active involvement. Uh, so that is... Uh, that is the these are the key differences and they are now and from uh, hypothesized that in the 1950s but the interesting portion at least to me was that in the last few decades we have now the evidence from science to support exactly what he described meaning that people did functional mri uh, studies in people who just fell in love versus long-term love and so studying the brain activity and I could clearly see the different areas in the brain of mm-hmm. those who just fell in love with this long-term love. They, they, they checked blood hormone levels in these people, and they could find very distinctive blood levels in those who just fell in love versus long-term mm-hmm. love. Uh, among those very powerful uh, hormones, uh, which are being compared to the effect of cocaine in the in effect of their <laughs> excitement uh, and an addictive power uh, so it's it's really quite astounding um, so so there is there is clearly a difference uh, and uh, and there's also a, you know a, a biological explanation uh, for it for these two different phases in terms of evolution uh, at least uh, that there are distinctive phases so the key is just to recognize that and just to make the the active transition once this early phase is is uh, is starting mm-hmm. to 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 fade got it so so once this uh, roller coaster of sorts gets over once uh, you know maybe whether it's for after 2 years or 4 years or 7 years they say the 7 year itch but once this phase gets over and we uh, experience a change in our bodies chemically mentally or uh, whatever reason that might be how can we become better lovers? What should we be doing as as partners to really foster that love or to rekindle that relationship? Is there something, is there some advice that you can share with us? Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's what the book is mostly about. Um, and it gets to the point that love is an art. Um, but in order mm-hmm. to understand um, what we have to do or rather to know what we have to do, uh, the the key for me was to come up with a with a framework to understand what's going on in our mind which mm-hmm. keeps us from loving because we all want to love at all times and mm-hmm. and we are disappointed in ourselves if we do something which was not loving uh, because you know, it's it's very strong drive in us uh, so but so we have to look closely what's happening to our mind and that gets us to a concept you know which is very familiar to you uh, which gets the concept to of, of mindfulness uh, to to right. to be aware of what is going on in our mind and if we are attentive uh, we recognize that our mind is constantly exposed to different drives at any min- minute of the day in our lives there are certain demands on our mind. It may be very simple. It may be, I need to go to the bathroom. Or I need to eat something. I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. Uh, and uh, and, and there's, there's a multitude of these. And, and they are conflicting you know, with our intentions um, to, to be loving. 
Oh, the May conflict. Uh, and because some of those drives, these competing drives, are very powerful. Some of them, uh, they are, they, they, like the drive for power itself is something which is nurtured in our uh, society, particularly uh, from early on. It, it's, it's something that we are essentially educate our, our children. It's important that we become uh, significant um, individuals in our society that we have a decent income and that maybe have leading positions, uh, academic pressures. I mean, there's early on uh, in Western societies, there is a grooming towards, well, it's good for you to uh, work hard and work towards significant positions in our in our society so this is a very very strong drive there and it's an evolutional drive and because obviously if someone holds a more a prominent position is better is better off in terms of providing for his family and for his offspring that's the evolutional principle um, so these are very powerful drives and and they can take over uh, much of our of our mind in terms of what we want and then of course there are other you know, more selfish drives like the way we want to be perceived by others you know we want to be looking good to others we want to um you know we're very competitive nations we want, and, and, and people we want to be stronger more mm -hmm. successful than others and these these drives all you know influence our mind and they compete with our drive which is also a powerful drive to love uh, so the art then of of loving is just to be a mindful of these influences and be be able to reject them for the benefit of love uh, mm -hmm. and that is something uh, so essentially what it comes down to is that, that to be loving is is a choice which we are making over and over and over any time of the day, uh, and you know, there are very very simple examples. Um, you know, when I uh, want to go on Sunday and want to go to the golf course and say, "All right, I want to go and um, spend a few hours on the golf course," I can do that. You know, it's for my own. The drive there is for my own pleasure. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a pleasure drive, uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with it. But at the same time. I, I have less time to spend with my wife, my children, etc. So I make a choice there, as opposed to you know say you know all right I uh, I don't go and play golf. I want to spend the time with my wife and children. Uh, that is something where I focus on love as opposed to my own personal pleasure. Now again, there is nothing wrong with <laughs> doing these activities. Uh, in, in, in the book, I think I spent a lot of time on just that, that the key to life is finding the balance uh, between things which are you know, good for relationships, good for love, but there's also certain things which you have to do for ourselves to, to maintain this balance, uh, and that probably is the biggest challenge. Now, you also proposed that the idea of love should be taught in schools, right? So what advice do you have for maybe a school principal or a school district head listening to this episode who likes your idea, loves the concept, but doesn't know how to go about this? Well, I'm very uh, glad that you, um, that you uh, mentioned that because that's something which is really quite, quite important to me. Uh, because I have children, we have four children yeah. in various stages of their uh, education, and like many parents, 
I feel that our generation, uh, not our generation, our, our, our younger generation, our children, they are under enormous academic stress uh, to the extent that we feel it has gotten a lot more compared to a few decades ago. Uh, they're spending many hours of, of homework every day, and it seems like the com competitive nature of our society, grooming, again, uh, grooming our children is to become successful at from from the viewpoint of a society of our society uh, becomes uh, greater and greater and, and, and as teenagers they have to fiercely compete with others you know, to get the best grades to get the best schools and right. and go to the best graduate schools etc so the 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 mindset of teenagers if they want to if they want to um, be competitive in this environment is that their entire world is is largely dominated by these by this uh, pressure and, and I cite some frightening statistics in the book. Uh, for instance, that the teenagers report stress levels now that equal or even exceed the, those of of perceived by adults. And about one third of teens expressing now signs of impression. One third of teens expressing signs of depression. And to cope with this stress teenager turn more frequent to alcohol to drugs and most sadly uh, the suicide rates increased by almost one quarter between 1999 and 2014 mm. in united states one quarter in just you know, a little more than 10 years i mean this is absolutely frightening and the greatest increase among the females were actually seen in girls aged 10 to 14 so right and it's very clear uh, that there's that the pressure we apply to our, our kids is spiraling uh, essentially out of control. Uh, and we know that children are very vulnerable during these teenage years and they are in need for guidance uh, and support. I mean, there is a phase where they're often least understood by their parents. Yeah. At the same time, they have all these puberty hormones clouding their brain, leading to confusion. It's the first time they have their first crush and this is all very confusing. So, Essentially, what I'm saying is that they, they need, this is a, a vulnerable period where teenagers need maybe some perspective about life in general. Uh, it is also true, uh, and I cite that in the book, that the influence of religion is fading in Western countries, uh, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in Europe, uh, but also in, in, in America. And to so religion gives you structure and guidance about what lo uh, life is all about. Right. And, uh, and, and so I feel that there is a component, um, a double whammy, so to say, you know, that they, the kids are getting more and more pressured and more and more stressed. At the same time, they may not have the resources now to deal with the stress. So the idea is to offer teenagers a class in high school when you can label it health class etc which focuses on discussion on love and life in general it should be obviously uh, for attendance only and not not additional graded uh, yeah. <laughs> so and the idea is that to give them some perspectives and let them talk among teachers and other pals you know what what is life what is it all about yeah. and not to kind of tell them a certain answer, but just let them explore concepts of happiness, concepts of love, and kind of giving, open the mind that there are different ideas about this and that, that 
that love uh, life is not all about academics it's a, it's right. just a small part of li- uh, life and so the hope here is just to give him a an outlet give him some 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 uh, structure uh, but particularly you know giving them some guidance that there is um, there's something more out there and that love is a concept uh, which is is something is up to them it's not just a feeling there is something that you can learn and be part of so that's a very i think empowering thing to 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 to, to know to realize that love is not something you just have to wait for it to be lucky it is something you mm-hmm. can master you can be an active part of it and i think again i think it would be quite helpful to to children mm-hmm. i think that's a brilliant idea so uh, if you're a teacher if you're a school principal or a uh, district superintendent or maybe a parent who homeschools your child uh, make sure that you leave some room leave some space to talk about these concepts like love and compassion and gratitude so that the children get an opportunity to explore these topics that sometimes can get very eso- uh, esoteric and uh, difficult to comprehend so So, uh, Armin, as a person who has studied and worked with the heart for such a long time, does science um, really provide an answer to the age-old question, which is, what is our role in the cosmos? A question that even Leonardo da Vinci pondered a lot. So, is there meaning behind all our experiences, or is it just chance? What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I obviously am not in a position to give... <laughs> to give a, a you know a, a a satisfying answer to that, uh, my personal uh, belief is that um, that uh, you know that I, I cannot. My answer is that I I cannot. I don't I don't know and I cannot know what the purpose of life per se is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do feel is that uh, you while I cannot know that and there's no way for me to know it uh i i know that i've been given this opportunity to live and uh, for me to figure out what to do with it uh i believe that life on this planet um you know is is the force of 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 evolution and i think the concepts of evolution evolution are very uh, intriguing to me uh, and very fascinating to me but i cannot i was i don't know what Uh, is there is there a purpose of life per se you know other mm-hmm. other than that life itself is a purpose and life is is this overwhelming force which affects not only us but every every living on this planet uh which is something which you know creates a lot of uh awe and um uh, gratitude uh, and um, an excitement um so so i guess what i'm saying is since i cannot um or cannot know what the ultimate uh, purpose of life per se is in the universe uh, i feel it's it's more practical to focus on what i can do and what i can control and and what can i influence uh, in turn i feel that love is uh, is the answer there uh, i feel love is the connecting dot in any life uh, and it's the um, the key to the recognize the the beauty of life itself uh, and hence its influence you know for religion spirituality etc um so i guess i'm not worried too much about 
what the ultimate, ultimate purpose is in our universe, and I'm, I'm trying to focus on the day-to-day living. Got it, got it. Now, uh, Dr. Armin, in our show, it's all about action. So if you had to give our listeners one action step based on what we've shared, based on what we've spoken today, what is that one action step you'd recommend for someone listening to this show right now who wants to find some more meaning in life? Maybe he wants to ultimately find their purpose in life. What would you recommend they do? Well, the action step you know, would be to take... Um, let's say uh, 10 minutes of time and uh, and just listen to your mind just try to to focus solely what is going on in your mind over these 10 minutes and trying to focus on somebody um, you love and, uh, and, and and everything else try to um, blend out and uh, so what you will see is that over these 10 minutes, it's going to be very difficult uh, for us just to k- keep our focus on this one aspect, on this one aspect uh, of love. And that really you know, shows what the problem is, that this, our mind is difficult to focus. Uh, and at the same time, as long as you keep your focus, you will feel the serenity and, and actually contentment which comes with the focus on love and maybe that helps understanding that uh, that uh, love indeed is very deeply anchored in us uh, and is linked to happiness and contentment uh, and maybe that helps kind of uh, wanting to maintain or deepen our focus on on love well, thanks a lot for sharing Action Tribe to read the entire show notes for today's episode, including the inspirational quote, the book recommendation that's soon going to come, and certain nuggets of wisdom that you might not uh, be able to capture right away, maybe because you're driving or in transit. Uh, visit our website, my7chakras.com forward slash 245. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 245, where the show notes are available and you can go through the details. When we least expect it, life sets us a challenge to test our courage and willingness to change. At such a moment, there is no point in pretending that nothing has happened or in saying that we are not yet ready. The challenge will not wait. Life does not hold back. A week is more than enough time for us to decide whether or not to accept our destiny. This is a quote by one of my favorite authors, Polo Coelho. Action Tribe, a couple of things over here. Firstly, challenges come into our lives with no warning. Sometimes we live our entire lives with a challenge and don't even realize that there is a challenge in our life. And that's why mindfulness is so important. The solution then is not to pretend like everything is all right, because the challenge is in your life to provide you an opportunity to transform your life. Realize that you have the power within you to confront and solve this problem. You never know how close you are to a new beginning and a new life. But remember that you are being tested and you are ultimately going to be a winner in the game of life. Now, Dr. Armin, talk to us about a challenge that you had to face in your life. What was that one biggest challenge you encountered and what steps did you take to sort of get out of that problem? Well, I would... Um, one challenge... Uh, a rather unexpected uh, event was the the finding that uh, my one of our sons uh, has has Down syndrome. So he has a genetic defect, 
and um, and having you know uh, trisomy 21 through three instead of two. Uh, chromosomes in the uh, position 21 uh, and we found that out before he was born uh, there were some in the screening in the screening there were some abnormalities so we were then confronted with the situation um, that we knew that our son would have a a um, a uh, challenging situation he would be a special need uh, child uh, which comes with some um, you know, limitations and uh, it was a shock you know as you can imagine uh, because we were not we we're not expecting it and uh, so the challenge was to uh, to how to deal with this and and I uh, write actually in a book also about this uh, that I had I have to admit that initially I was um, I was sad and I was I was uh, felt some kind of loss and uh, and uh, but I, I I thought about it and I thought about the implications and I thought about you know, what it means to live and uh, so that was the response to that challenge and what what it led me to is uh, to understand that uh, to perceive or the ability to perceive love and happiness are really at the center of of life and I knew that children with trisomy 21 with Down syndrome uh, have no limitations at all in perceiving happiness and, and love. In fact, uh, these um, individuals actually are known for being particularly uh, emotional and have a strong um, emotional intelligence actually they very very have a, a great expression for social bonds. Uh, so what I learned then is that my, initial response uh, was was wrong essentially I was sad for my own good uh, I was just sad that I my expectations initially I had uh, were not met and uh, and uh, so I felt bad about my initial response and uh, because what it is to have a child is to you know, to um, is the child is not there, you know, for my sake. The child, yeah. the idea is to have a child to give it all the opportunity to experience life, uh, and to experience happiness and experience love. Uh, so with that realization, um, uh, we, I was very happy to welcome our son in our lives, and my wife actually came to that conclusion way before me so we were very very uh, well positioned then to to welcome our son and, and it has been a wonderful wonderful experience he's now almost 11 years old and uh, and uh, we couldn't have been uh, more happier uh, with um, with all the love and happiness he gives us on every every single day Thanks a lot for sharing that wonderful story with us. Uh, so, Dr. Amin, in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners based on what you've shared, based on your story? Well, I think the major, major uh, life lessons is that uh, lo- life is about love uh, and that the more we can do to keep our focus on love, and again, there is a lot we can do, uh, the, the better we are off. So it, it comes down to what our priorities are. It is a choice.
got it thanks a lot for sharing and doctor to be honest this you know we've had uh, this section on our episode for quite a while but this was one of the most inspiring and uh, heart touching story uh, on our show you shared that you had an unexpected event when you found out that your son had down syndrome uh, you found out that a while before he was born and you and your wife had to go through certain uh, challenges you had the shock that you had to go through a level of uh, sadness because of course you, you like you mentioned your son was a special needs child or would be a special needs child but uh, after really being mindful of the situation after thinking through it and thinking through the uh, you know what what was going to happen how do you deal with this you realize that the ability to perceive and receive and express love is at the center of life so that's all that matters because life is about love and i think that many of our listeners listening to this show right now have been touched uh, no matter what challenge they are going through in life right now ultimately it's all about love uh, uh the ability to perceive receive and express love so thanks a lot for sharing well my pleasure thank you again for having me on your show it's been it's been wonderful thank you dear Wonderful. So we are almost there. We have not uh, done yet. Action Tribe, are you enjoying today's session so far? If yes, make sure you share your thoughts on social media using the hashtags, hashtag My Seven Chakra and hashtag Action Tribe, so that the world knows about us and our movement. You know, I always used to think that the heart is just a blood pumping organ, and love is just an emotion that we feel. But the more I study it, the more I speak with people who've written about it, like Dr. Amin, and the more I work on opening my own heart and healing my heart, I find out. that there is so much about the heart that we still don't know much of it is still shrouded in mystery and i'm finding that our love is an energy that can transcend both time and space and when i say love i just don't mean the love between two lovers like we are finding out today love can be so much more or maybe even the love between a mother and child i'm referring to a more primordial ancient love the love that a child feels when you give him attention we all want need and desire that love don't we so remember there is an immense power in our heart and in our love and just like richard gordon founder of quantum touch says your love is not just an electrochemical reaction in the brain a sweet sentiment on a greeting card or something you feel your love is powerful it can dramatically affect the physical world your love is valuable it can accelerate the healing process reduce pain work across space and time and so much more so this is just the beginning and it's a beautiful journey and just like that we've arrived at the last round for today which is called the wisdom round time just flies when you are having fun so dr armin are you ready uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> great so dr what is the best advice that someone has ever given you uh, the best advice i think the best advice was this to you know to trust to trust yourself um they came in a challenging situation and uh, and sometimes you know we are we are doubting ourselves and uh, and i think it's very important you know, to uh, to maintain the faith in our ability so i think to trust yourself was a very important advice in my life got it so name a personal habit that keeps you strong and keeps you going home meditation got it and what is your morning routine like do you have a morning routine these days yes so so i i like to get up and uh, start with a medication a meditation as soon as as i get up and then go upon uh, my daily 
my daily uh, routines. Uh, so uh, meditation is is a important part of my daily routine. Thanks for sharing and. Uh Name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. <laughs> well, I would go with Eric Fromm's The Art of Loving <laughs> because I think Eric Fromm really, uh, really was revolutionary in his, uh, in his approach to, to love and obviously very much influenced my, my, my writing. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, if you want to listen to this book or some other book for free, We'll have to still check whether we have this particular book on audible.com. But audible.com is offering our listeners, our community, one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service. If you love podcasts, then you will really love listening to a book on your way to work or back or on transit. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook and start listening, go to my7chakras.com forward slash freebook. Once again, my7chakras.com forward slash freebook to start listening to your book. So, Dr. Armin, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to learn about uh, so many aspects of the heart from so many different angles and also about love and the art of love. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for and how we can find you online. Well, I'm very grateful again for, for, for you having me on the show. I hope you feel better uh, and um, that you get over your sore throat very fast. Uh, thanks again for having me and uh, you can find me on www.theforgottenart.com I also have a Facebook uh, page at the same time and uh, yeah I very much welcome uh, comments uh, and uh, discussions so there you go Action Tribe to learn more and to get your own book uh, go to lovetheforgottenart.org Dr. Armin is it already available on Amazon? Yes, it is. It just was released a a few weeks ago. Perfect. So Action Tribe, you can get the book as well and learn so much more about uh, the heart and the art of love. Uh, So Dr. Armin, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the heart and the art of love and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thanks again, Aditya. It's been a pleasure. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.